Just a reminder that this is the second part of our episode with the Dusty Sunday Sessions. If you haven't heard it yet, we'd really encourage you to listen to part one where we go in depth about bartending, drinking culture and boys schooling. On the current episode, we're talking in a bit more depth about whether going to a boys school equips the young men of today before diving into our more personal struggles with mental health. Without further ado, here we are with Tom and Norm from the Dusty Sunday Sessions. The biggest thing is kind of having someone to show that they care. Yeah, I think my my mate has said that. Oh, some my mates helped me out with the same thing. Like again, middle of a party, just run out the door, and they've sort of picked up what was going on and come out with a glass of water. And and Ian hasn't said yeah. a word. It's just the fact that they're there at least. I think it's it's because the thing is like we we say, oh, it's the least I can do. Yeah. But seriously, just being there is literally the least that anyone can do. Yeah. Mm. I and like- everyone can do it. Kimmy blokes hate talking about their feelings. We want to change that. G'day. We're Go On Mate, a podcast that aims to normalise us men talking about how we're feeling. We're here to talk about more than just cricket and our favourite beers. We're here to try and make a difference and show that it's okay to not be okay. Going back to the kind of high school thing. Um, so, Tom, you went to uh, St Paul's, so this is probably more applicable to Norm. All boys or co-ed school, if you could do it all again, which one would you choose? I think you can look at it from both perspectives. I think I'll go back to, I'll start off with the argument for boys only. Going back to what Sam said, it's like, yeah, there's like a lot of, and even you, Jay, like there's that sense of discipline that's built up. Um, I remember we had a deputy headmaster uh, called uh, Mr. Robinson. Uh, he's He passed away sadly, but... He was this like really uptight, really like hard case kind of person. You know, like if you had your socks an inch below your below your knees, he'll slap you with a little detention and you would not give a fuck about your feelings. You know, like you'd be having the shittest day and he'll still give it to you. It's like, nah, you, this is not good enough, you know? Yeah. So I think like going to, and it's also like the school that I come from, it has like over a hundred year history. So there's like a lot of pride and a lot of land, like, achievements. Um, and it's also generational. So you, I know a person whose great-great-great-great-grandfather went to the same school. And it's passed down, you know, so it's like that kind of pride thing. And I feel like that discipline factor and, you know, carving that, that man, you know, going from a boy to a man in five years of high school, that's something that they push towards, you know like building that ethos of excellence and, and a phrase we used at our school was arate, which is, you know, the willingness to be great, you know, that kind of stigma that they feed into you being like, you are capable of a lot. And the top. Yeah. Yeah. You can be the greatest. Um, and we're going to help you become that, you know, that's all well and good. Like you have that discipline and you get crafted and, and chiseled into this guy, uh, into this man that's ready to tackle the real world, but it actually isn't the case, you know? Um, I remember in year 13 when we had a, a, a leadership camp, which was two days and all the year 13s um, went to. And first speech that I had master said was, all of you, all of you boys are a leader. But two days after that whole spiel, um, 40 of the boys of about 300 boys 
got given a white shirt and said, hey, you're a prefect, you're a leader of our school, you know? So it's pretty, like, there's a lot of hypocrisy there, you know? Yeah. Um, so, say, like, the the boys-only school mentality, I mean, I wasn't really, I just kept to myself in high school. My whole purpose was, you know, my parents sacrificed a lot f- to come to this country and they've sent me to this great school. Well, you know, it's considered great because it's got this massive history. Yeah. Um, and I need to prove myself. Do this you know? justice. Yeah. I was, you know, I wasn't the sharpest tool in the shed coming into year nine of high school, you know. Um, I never thought I would get leadership opportunities or anything like that, but I grew into that, which I'm really grateful for. But one thing that really lacked in a boys-only environment is that stigma of, you know, masculinity, you know. Um, All too well. Yeah, yeah, very much so. It was even like I realized this when looking back at it now is at that same leadership camp, we had counselors come in and say, oh, like these are our counselors. They're going to give a little spiel about what they do, where they are at school. No one cared. No one gave a flying no fuck. Again. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. And it kind of made me realize, like, oh, like this isn't, you know, it's not really, it wasn't even part of the topic or conversation about, hey, like I'm feeling, feeling shit. Yeah. And it escalates in every, I think with most boys at school, at my school, it was like, if you are going through a hard time, you just have to suck it up and keep moving forward, which going further down in your life snowballs. You know, um, so going on to the co-ed environment, I feel like it would be a lot better in that sense. Mm. And also being aware, like, you know, you have, um, you know, girls or women in the same kind of environment five days a week with you become a lot more kind of comfortable and aware. Skilled. Yeah, exactly. Or like, you know, like what, what the boundaries are. Because, you know, you leave boys only school, like you leave, you leave that environment where it's just like, yeah, the lads, you know, mm. give them a piss, all Elf that type of, or that yeah, sort of thing all is that type of jazz. Do, but it's yeah. very often not a what you can't do. Yeah. That never exactly. comes up. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I feel like having a co-ed environment would make you a lot more aware. So it's like, for me personally, it's like half and half because, you know, you can see from both sides of the of the coin you got you know you're a boys only school who you know push really hard if you choose to because mm. there are a lot of boys who i grew up with who just came to school for the sake of it didn't and the really teachers didn't bat an eye ethos yeah yeah they didn't bat an eye it's like oh yeah we'll just leave you you know you only got four more years don't have to see you again you know whereas those boys who push whether it's academically or sporting wise you know if you invest in yourself like the facilities at my school would invest in you it's like a give and take kind yeah, of thing and i don't i don't really know if you're well versed or knowledgeable enough as a 13 year old to be able to make that decision yeah. of yeah. oh yeah i'll get out what i put in mm. because when you're 13 you don't see those results you don't yeah, understand yeah. it yeah yeah so but yeah that's that's my kind of two cents i suppose yeah tom um at st paul's you do this six month camp called tihoi when you're 14 so you go away for six months and you live uh in um you live with eight other boys in your in your little house in the middle of in Kinloch, actually in, in Topor in, in the middle of the North Island. And three days a week uh four days a week you do class, so that's science, English, history, maths and outdoor education. 
in three days of the week you're out doing rock climbing, whitewater kayaking, mountain biking, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Really, really cool. Okay. Do you get to see your parents? No. Nope. You just, you just nope. No, so, no parents. So, wow. You're cooking for yourself. You're cleaning for yourself. There's no phones, no computers, nothing. Really, Shit. real old school. And so we did that. And, that, and that's when they say you become a man at 14. At 14. Which is quite prehistoric, you know. It's yeah, prehistoric 14, and it's you also... Kill, you kill your first beast and you become a man. It's <laughs> also complete and utter bullshit. Like, yeah. you know, I came out of Tuhoi and they said, yeah, no, you're a man now and all this sort of stuff. And my head just swelled to the point where I could barely lift it off the, off the ground, you know. And um, I don't think there was a month where I didn't have at least one cry at Tuhoi and no one ever saw it. You know, and I, actually listening to all this, I've just realised that no one genuinely asked how their mates were doing until they left high school. Same here. I everyone back, back everyone was too, A, immature, B, caught up in their own stuff, or C, just didn't care, Yeah, didn't want to know, yeah. which I think says multitudes about the schooling system and about how what we're actually educating about is prehistoric. Yeah. Like, very, very old school. Because that's kind of how what I want to start the show about is I was reading this book. It's called The Culture Code by Dan Coyle. Mm. Um, basically just like how to change a culture. And I was like, one, the culture of guys not talking when it comes to their mental health. Like I think it's like 53% of guys. No, actually, no, I think, I think it's higher than that. But yeah, they, they don't talk. So it's like, okay, how do you change culture? And it's by example. Mm. Humans mimic the people around us, you know, that pack mentality, especially when it comes to dudes. You know, if your mate starts wearing a champion hoodie, you start wearing one too. <laughs> I want to be cool. Yeah. Absolute yeah. champion. Yeah. 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 And what I saw is like, that's ingrained into us at boys' schools was you follow the guy next to you and like you follow a like kind of like a a rule book of how to be a man. So if mm. you can change the rules in the rule book and the people around you start following those rules, then yeah. maybe there'll be people that'll adjust and change over time. Yeah. I feel like that's the same thing with talk yeah, like opening up and talking about your mental, you know, what's going on in the top two inches as as Sam referred to. Um it's, you know, it's really easy to say, hey, um, I'm not feeling good. But the person that you're talking to won't have an answer mm. because they haven't been, you know, you haven't collectively been educated, you know. Yeah. Um, we have, we've had a lot of people come in, like famous people talking about, oh, you know, like what's life like as a massive sportsman because our school has a massive history of, winning sporting championships you know we've crafted rowers to rugby players to cricketers you know that's all great but that's only happened because we've we've crafted that over a long Mm. period of time so why not we take that mentality and talk about you know mental wellness yeah you know it only it's it's like riding your bike you know the more you try the more you kind of push it out there the more it will become the norm. Do you, do you guys know yeah. Liam Squire? Yeah, I mean, I, well. I, mean I, I know of the dude. Yeah. I don't know. So he, he took <laughs> personally. He took uh, he took a fair amount of time away from the game of rugby to sort out his mental health. Mm. I remember, I think I read one article about it. Mm. Yep. And that's all there was. Yeah. <laughs> Here is this arguably one of the best blindside flankers in the world. Mm. Built like a shit brick like, house. Yeah, exactly. Yeah taking some time away, there was not nearly enough publicity about it as there should have been. Not publicity in terms of, you oh know. Oh, God, look what's wrong. With yeah, that. it's more like, oh you know, God, let's get him some help. hard, let's help him out, let's yeah. encourage yeah. other rugby players who, uh, you know, arguably 
less likely to talk about themselves because rugby is such a hard-nosed sport. All bites yeah. don't cry. <laughs> John Kerwin, man. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I respect John Kerwin so much, bro. Have you read his book, All Bucks Don't Cry? Nah. Um, Dude, it, it was terrifying. He talks about, like, straight up not getting out of bed for three days because mm. he physically couldn't move his body. And, like, I haven't been to that extent, but I can, mm. you know, I've had days definitely where I haven't wanted to get out of bed. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I, I, I am into that, but some of, like, anxiety. Mm. There was, like, a period. What was it? Not this last summer, the summer before. Or New Year's, where I was like three or four days I couldn't sleep, couldn't eat, couldn't drink. Like ended up in hospital. They were like gonna give me meds, and I was like, "Nah, I can get through this." And I did. That was pretty rough. It's as soon as as well. Like for me as well, it was not wanting to bother anyone about it. Mm. Like I think yeah. if I was ever going to talk about it with someone, I'd always ask them first, "How are you doing?" Mm-hmm. To make sure that they're at least you know. If they say, "Yeah, I'm good," you know, then yeah. I'm like, "Okay, I can." try and talk to you about this exactly but i'm not if they say i've got this little thing going on oh work's a little bit annoying at the moment that's the easiest option for you to be like nah i'll take that away yeah i think for me as well like i'm I'm opening up to someone more often than not i want sympathy not solutions Mm -hmm. like if someone jumps to be like oh like do this or do that like i (laughs) just cheer up bro i hadn't thought of that man jeez i am very i guess self-sufficient i kind of know what I need pretty much most of the time. If I know what I need, I'll ask for it. Mm. If I'm opening up to someone, I want the empathy and the sympathy. I don't, I, I don't want you to be like, oh, go for a run, bro. I just went and cycled 30Ks. <laughs> I still feel like absolute shit. Dog shit, yeah. yeah. I think there's a great question that someone asked me that I've started to use now as well. If someone's got like an issue that they've come to me about, I'll always ask them before they get started. I was like, do you want me to listen or do you want me to help? Yeah, that's his, I think it's... Yeah perfectly understandable you brought up before if you know i go to someone and say hey i'm not feeling so great because of x y and z perfectly understandable if they say sorry mate i don't know how to respond to that Mm, because you know like i'd almost rather come from the place of yeah but you've been willing to put in the time to just listen yeah yeah Um, and you're not saying anything wrong by not saying anything at all as long as you're just there you're present Yeah. yeah Like, like, even if, yeah, like, even if you say nothing, like, if you sit there, give them the presence. Um, like, I remember in halls last year, there was a person that I deal with who was having a panic attack. And it was literally me sitting there and being present with them mm. and just taking them through, like, a breathing exercise for 15 minutes. And after that, just for me, like, not no talking, nothing. Like, I identify what was going on because, one, I, I've had countless myself. But then just being present was enough to get them through that. Mm. So if the biggest thing is kind of having someone to show that they care. Yeah, I think my my mate has said that oh, some, my mates helped me out with the same thing. Like, again, middle of a party, just run out the door and they've sort of picked up what was going on and come out with a glass of water and, and Ian hasn't said yeah. a word. It's just the fact that they're there at least. I think that's... It's because the thing is, like, we we say, oh, it's the least I can do. Yeah. But seriously, just being there is literally the least that anyone can do. Yeah. Mm. And everyone can do it. Yeah. yeah. I feel like when someone comes up to you, um, whether it be your mate or, you know, someone who genuinely thinks you are a, the type of person who can not necessarily fully help, but at least remedy what you're going through, make you feel a little bit at ease. I feel like for me personally, because I've been through this, it's like the last thing you want to do to someone who's struggling with a mental illness is make it that is pressure them to do something. Because Mm. nine times out of 10, 
this dark cloud is in front of this person. They can't look beyond it. It's weighing them down. They can't think of anything else. You know, they can't think of, oh, shit will get better. You know, because if that, if it's people, impossible, it's impossible to say. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Imperceivable. Yeah, because if they thought that, there wouldn't, you know, mental health wouldn't be this massively discussed topic. If they knew it would get better, yeah. it yeah. wouldn't, you know. So, yeah, yeah like yeah. you can't just have some pamol and be like, I'm <laughs> good, good as yeah. Well. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Which is like, how high school treated it, bro, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, yeah. It, was, yeah. it was literally just like sleep it off, mm. run it off, drink it off, mm. walk, walk it off, walk it off. Mm. It's, it's like, okay, yeah, that, may, that, yeah. that mm. may work for a sprained ankle. It actually really doesn't, but you know. <laughs> you can't walk but, off a broken <laughs> ankle, can you? Yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, like, it, it is something you can walk off. Like, at the very best, you may be able to sleep it off. But for mm. that is a band-aid fix mm. at best. It's a band-aid mm. over a surgery wound. Yeah. yeah. How, how I just out of curiosity, how did your parents react? Mm. When I told them about Yeah, would with, with because mine, for example, didn't really understand. Yeah. Like they were definitely supportive. Yeah. But when I told them about my anxiety and my my depression, they they just couldn't really wrap their head around it. And yeah. dad, my old man, I was talking about this with him over the weekend. He didn't have the easiest childhood. Yeah. And he says that he's fine and everything. And so he's like, well, if I'm fine and I've gone through all this, how can you not be fine when you've had such an amazing childhood? And he just couldn't wrap his head around it, you know? Yeah. So I'm just, just genuinely curious, like. Um, yeah, so my sort of troubles or struggles, I'd say, they, they were they're my sort of glaringly shocking in my secondary of uni. And mm-hmm. I remember it sort of got to the point where I just thought, like, I've got to go home. I've got to go see family. So I looked on Jetstar and on New Zealand and the, like, most, the, the cheapest flight for the next day was like 350 bucks return. So I was like, oh. Well. Why, also, why would you fly with Jetstar? It's so shit. Ah, uh, because they're cheaper. Yeah, than that's why. That's why. Yeah. Yeah, well, you pay for what you get, though, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Money bus. Um, Money okay. bus? Well, <laughs> nah, nude bus, mate. Okay, well, okay, yeah. So I just thought, well, I can't do that. So I, I got a bus ticket for the next morning, um, like Wellington to Auckland. That's 11 hours or something. And... You know, I don't want to yuck people's yum. People might love cross-country buses. Oh, fuck, don't get me started. when you're not in a great space, they're the worst place in the world. Everything just... I mean, shit irritates you in a bus if even if you are feeling good. Yeah. You know? Uh, it was just, just a baby crying just in the, the corner. Weight as well. Yeah. Because yeah. so, it feels like you're not going anywhere, even though you literally are. Well, you're not when you're stuck in bulls for a transit for two hours. So yeah. There's nothing oh, to do no. but go to the Maccas. Yeah. <laughs> Soak like, up the free There's Wi-Fi. only so many times I can see a sign that says that that town is unbelievable before I, you know, want to just fuck off. <laughs> just castrate the bull yourself at yeah. that point, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, um, yeah, so I, I was on a bus on the way up just hating mm. just everything, just mm. sort of wanting everything to grind to a great big halt. Mm. Um, and... My phone ran out of battery, and so I was sort of Ugh. frantically texting my mum on one percent, being like, no. "Hey, I'm about forty-five minutes away. Like, meet where we usually do, which was like where I'd meet her when I'd get picked up from work six months before. So yeah. who who knew, who knew if that was going to go through? And that was midnight. Um, and I remember just walking, and I remember seeing her, and I just sat in the car like silent, like the twenty-five thirty-minute ride home. Mm. And that was the best therapy that, you know, I had had up to that point, which mm. was just knowing someone was there. Mm. Um, someone you trust as well. Like, yeah, nothing is better than, than family, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. And so 
yeah, while I might not have spoken like expressly about what was going on in my mind to my mom or my dad, like I, you, you, I was very comfortable in that, like she knows something's up mm. um, and she's just like very comfortable. I, I'd never ever believe that she wouldn't want to help or that mm. she would, you know, pat, pat it down. I've sort of come from a family history of like understanding mental illness. So I think mm. she would have been in a really good spot to be able to help out. That's good. Had I chosen to reach out and my dad as well, you know, he knows, mm. you know, he, he's not an all black. He cries all the time, <laughs> you know, mm. I'm sure. Um, yeah. And that's, you know, he's cried in front of me and that's sort of a beautiful thing. That's the biggest thing, bro. Eh? Yeah. I don't think I saw my dad cry until about last year. Yeah. Mm. I think mine's probably like three or four times throughout my whole mm. lifetime. Because I, I didn't think it was okay until I saw him cry. Like, I remember going through my stuff thinking, I've never seen my dad cry. Yeah. yeah. Has he ever? You know, like, mm. that's mm. where it sort of started to come from. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm a big advocate. And I think the Bell family in general, like, you know, growing up, it was always, you've hurt your foot in soccer game, you know, take some yeah. concrete pills, walk it off sort yeah. of thing. And I could. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's don't make a trifle out of nothing. But mm. we also were very, very good at, saying okay this is more more than nothing yeah. um and yeah. so I, I i never felt like i didn't have support and i think i'm very lucky in that because not too many blokes growing up probably had that environment mm. yeah mm. um i mean i'm pretty much the same so my history with it goes back to like yeah probably like all throughout high school kind of bullied for a variety of things mm. looking back now most of them are kind of just boyish trivial things you know just your mates having you on but i was mm. I'd say a softer kid, if if you want to phrase it like that. So no, not softer. I wouldn't use that word. But like, <laughs> I I took things on board quite strongly. I guess I've always kind of been an overthinker. So when someone says something to me, I kind of internalize it a little bit. That was kind of high school, and then especially like I said a story with um on on the Michael podcast about my year thirteen formal. I had a big ass panic attack because my your dad's hot. Yeah, because yeah. my dad's hot, and, and literally <laughs> oh, every no. and literally yeah. every guy in the whole school let me know about it for like three months beforehand. Every period was like, "Oh, when's your coffee date with this girl?" Or like, "When like what suit color are you going to like?" Everything, like mm. every decision, they were just like feeding not, it to you, just feeding it, like questioning it, making me make sure, like. They're probably just trying to help out. They're probably just being like, you know, this kid has a hot ticket. Like, <laughs> yeah, let, yeah, yeah. Let's make sure I anything into it. Ma- yeah. Makes the most of it, and that probably lay the foundation for anxiety after second year. Like first year, Aki, you know, Norm Norm's been through it. Like, yeah, I so that's I, a shit show on it until itself. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's a different kettle of fish. We talked about that on I, the way in, actually. Like, fuck around. Yeah. Yep. Um. I mean, I coped probably better than most because my older sister had been through it. So I kind of knew what was coming. I kind of considered dropping out with one of the projects first try cubes. Did you guys do that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but so then, so that's first year Aki was relatively straightforward. Second year, I was flatting with a 30 year old PhD student and his partner, a guy who works a night shift at Magazine Courtney. So I never saw him. And then like a fifth year, third year art student who I never saw. So I was by myself in this flat in Kelvin making mates at Aki school but I didn't see him when I got home so I was getting home dark and didn't yeah, flat so a bunch of like anxiety like a chance to just kind of mull everything over mm. over the summer I was basically like the last two years of Aki hit me and I was just had a bunch of anxiety for no reason like mm. I felt I wasn't thinking about anything that would make me anxious it was just like the physical 
It was just mm. presence. Yeah. You, you know? feel like I'm a knife edge constantly. Almost. Like always on the knife edge, like kind of shaky, kind of jittery, mm. feeling stressed for no reason, being like, I need to do something. And you try and break it down to like, okay, why am I stressed? Yeah. You can't find anything. And that yeah. makes you even yeah. more stressed. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I was incredibly lucky in that my mum's sister was here from the States and she is a psychiatric nurse. So wow. she was staying with us for Plug. like a month and a half. <laughs> Plug. <laughs> Plug. But yeah, like, so I was lucky in that she could kind of identify what was going on and kind of tell me stuff. And I've always kind of been into self-help. So that's kind of what brought me into self-help. So my mum was really good with that. And my dad has always been very much a giver, like kind of anything us kids need, he would lay his life on the line for it. Like he's always been there for us. Mum's mm-hmm. probably more so the emotional side of things. Like she's the same as Dan that she gives, but she gives her time. Like mm-hmm. she will, you know, give That's up. That's all you need. Yeah. all you need just to know that they care. Yeah. 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 So they were incredibly supportive. Yep. Um, and then the same with third year as well. When I kind of mentioned that kind of three day period before New Year's, mm-hmm. you know, my parents were just like, what do you need? Anything you need, we'll do, which is I'm truly blessed mm-hmm. to have that support network around me. Mm-hmm. I know that not a lot of people were lucky enough to have that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, mm. easy. I'm thinking of splitting this into a two-parter. Yeah, Wee. so that so that we because we usually do fortnightly releases. Yeah, but mm. I was like, yeah, you could do a two-parter and just do weekly. I feel so like there'd be a lot of anticipation as well if you yeah. did. Yeah, yeah, well, just because we've, on a we've, we've really got a, a lot of <laughs> like a massive content. range of topics. <laughs> yeah, so like we could do. I, f- I feel like you should just cut it like the first part, just cut it off like mid sentence. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it continues like pick <laughs> up exactly oh, no, where no, I left no. off. Surely have an ad break from Manscaped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll do, we'll, do a, we'll do a quick read. Yeah, but no, nah, like I reckon do that, and because like yeah, we can do like the hospital, and then like some of the boys' school stuff, because we've sort of revealed a lot more about who we actually are as people yeah. in the last 20 minutes than we did over the first two episodes yeah. oh. combined <laughs> yeah. oh, wow. so, how good yeah I reckon that, that's what we do do you think hang one. on sorry to cut you off do you think it's weird that there isn't a word for a young man who shows his feelings because yeah. he said like soft. soft that's got negative softer. connotations softer. emotional emotional you know that's all negative yeah. connotations there isn't a positive word that can describe yeah. someone like that. sensitive that's kind of yeah. Yeah. That's kind sensitive of like easy I would to say yeah. the positive word would be vulnerable but even, even that, then vulnerable is a negative word you, you, you vulnerable has attacked. negative connotations it shouldn't and I don't think it does but to a lot of people it does yeah can but, we just say open open yeah. transparent mm, again yeah. Open because like, it doesn't really capture what yeah, uh, we're what, trying to what we're trying to get. You know, yeah. everything's got negative connotations. Like to it. even like oh he's a crier. Like that Bro, like, that is that, awful. Yeah. That, that is a negative. Like like I was very much a crier as a kid. Mm. Lucky I'm a crier. <laughs> I'm a crier now. Like, Fuck yeah. I mean I don't really cry now. Like it takes a lot for me to start crying. Yeah. Um uh, yeah. but as a kid, you know, there was I was every other day. Hundred <laughs> percent, bro. I was a really, really kind of sensitive guy in high school. Like, you know, things would like just small things, and I would just like burst into tears. Like, and my parents, you know, like they were come from a very, very tough life, mm. you know, and so they had to suck it up because mental health you wouldn't talk about that in 1975 would you you know like everything was very no, different no. so yeah I, like every time I would cry like my dad would just 
mum and dad, well, not so much my mum, but my father would, you know, he's very hard case, you know, staunch guy, yep. you know. Um, he'd just be like, Keep, suck it up, stop crying, you know. Like, you're being a girl, stop yep. crying. Chin up. Also, yeah. that's yeah. rough that we that's... used to use you being a girl as an insult, eh? Yeah. yeah. That's so sexist. Being a girl. Yeah. Well, yeah, that doesn't really fly in 2021, does no. it? It hasn't no. flown for the last 10 years, I think we're being honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah there are just a bunch of, I guess for lack of a better word, slurs that people use definitely a slur. it's just oh, 100 percent. Yeah. yeah yeah it's it just shit just doesn't fly no. anymore yeah and for good and reason it, yeah, yeah. That, that that's not people saying oh i'm willing to be offended by anything that's just people sort of taking a stand oh, that, yeah. you know yeah. like i i I've hate can, i hate cancel culture as much as the next guy yeah. but some things you just can't say now yeah that was actually another thing like going back to my tennis story both of them said at the same time oh it's us two versus the girls and I was like, how's that an insult? Like, mm. are you guys intending that to be an insult? Have you, have you heard of Serena Williams? Yeah. yeah. Like, like she's like, literally the greatest tennis player, arguably, who's ever lived. Yeah. Male she, and she female. No, she has yeah. 20, no, yeah, she 23 is. Grand Slams. Yeah. She has three no one more, has than, more than the three guys in Federer, yeah. Djokovic, and Nadal. Yeah. yeah. She's a, While well, she was pregnant. She, she's, yeah. She, yeah. She is arguably That's the greatest insane. athlete the world has ever seen. Yeah. Mm. She's 100%. been the most dominant athlete for the last 20 years. I think mm. the next closest person could probably be Tiger Woods. Uh, maybe, maybe Michael Phelps in there as well. But... I'd put Michael Phelps in there as well. Michael yeah. Phelps, Tiger Woods, and maybe those oh, three tennis just players. any of the... LeBron James? gymnast. Like, yeah. have you seen them? They're just... Simone Adonis Biles. Simone Biles. Simone Biles. Yeah. I mean, she's been through her fair. Yeah. yeah. I think of, like, LeBron James. I think of Richie McCaw. I yeah. think of... Uh, I, I mean, put Tendulka in there. For for cricket, no Even one else. Even the Black Friends, the Black, black Friends, friends. bro. Porsche Woman, oh, Porsche Woman, yeah. she Porsche is Woman. a freak. Chuck her on yeah. the chuck her on the wing. You should do yeah. a better job for Jordy Barrett. For the men's team, and, yeah. <laughs> Jordy Barrett should not be on the wing. I'm sorry, he's a fullback. That's it. Maybe fucking Jordy Barrett should not be maybe a maybe, <laughs> maybe a centre. Maybe a centre. Maybe a centre. But we've got so many good centres. Anton Dobro, Jack Goodspew. You know what I mean? Like. Absolute weapons. Rick Iwani, grammar mm. plug. I mean, I hate to say it, but like most rugby players just end up like that. You know, like sporting people. I think most prodigies end up like that. Yeah, like... Because they've been told from such a young age, you are amazing, amazing, you're great, you're going to go far. So it's just been ingrained in them. Yeah, you I start mean, having a spoon up your that, that's, mm. But it's probably like also the pressure as well, like having that ingrained yeah. into you, you link who you are as an athlete to who you are as a person. Yeah. So you think, mm. I'm great on, the, great on the rugby field, therefore I have to be great off the field. Mm. Yeah. You know, mm. like you have to have the perfect partner, whoever that is. You have to have your life together. Yeah. You have to have no problems, mm. nothing. Like yeah. everything has to, as I said before, you have your, all your ducks in a row. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Um, um, I'm going to head off yeah. now. Um, if you yeah. want to do like a dusty Sunday plug. Um, yeah. Well, I'll get out of the studio to stop like the noise and stuff. But yeah. All right. And then could you send me... Just the raw footage, and I'll sort out timestamps of what needs to be cut and what can stay. I'm happy to do that. Yeah. Because I've got hey, enough fuck to do on Jews tonight. Just MP3 it. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. That's all good. I'll just download Titans. And, and, and I think we have about shit. seven or eight different snippets we could use for the first 30 seconds. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what we do is for our first, like, we do the first thing that you hear is just, just some random. out of context, random shit. I, I oh, heard that. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, and then, like, the music starts. And Ours is going to be. So, yeah, we've, we've got a few snippets to choose from. Mm. So yeah, I think we're about be between 10 and 20, I'd say. Oh. Um, Damn, man. But, yeah.
as much as we're enjoying the conversation, well, call it here is we've hit the hour 40 mark. Holy <laughs> shit. This is Joe Rogan. Yeah, huh? This is Joe Rogan. Has got a cone? Yeah, yeah, DMT. DMT. So, yeah, I will call it there. So we'll give you guys 30 seconds to have the floor as you are also known as the Dusty Sunday session. So feel free to plug away your show for the next 30 seconds and then we'll call it. Yeah. So, yeah, Tom and I, we also have our own podcast called the Dusty Sunday session kind of brewed out of sheer kind of shit chat on a Sunday when when you've had a few too many brewskis with the boys Um, and we decided yeah let's just take it behind the mic um, we've recently revamped and trying to make the podcast a lot better a lot uh, more relevant yeah as well. a lot more relevant getting in guests talking about their life and also a bunch of other things a lot of scenarios a lot of laughs so please tune in we also on Instagram uh, at TDSSNZ be prepared there's going to be some absolutely wounding shit on there thank you very much cool cheers lads right well that was all from us today so we'll be releasing this episode in two parts as it's you know gone on a little bit too long but that's all from us for this week so feel free to tune in for the next episode in a fortnight have a nice rest of your week (laughs) 